All right. Uh, no big introduction today. If you're listening to this, you know who we are and you know what we do. The big news on today's episode is Bryce Hopkins, uh, the Friars star uh, junior forward, tore his ACL last night in a devastating loss to Seton Hall. The reason I say devastating is because uh, not because of the loss of Seton Hall, but because of the loss of our star player. Um, Peter, I, I already know how you're doing, but in the spirit of um, being habitual, how are you? Uh, I've, I've been better. Uh, it's Look, it's obviously we're recording Thursday afternoon. You guys will listen to this Friday morning. But it's it was a tough news to wake up to. And look, obviously the loss stinks. Uh, you lose by four at home, which we haven't seen in a while for the Friars. I guess it's a scene hall thing, losing at home. Uh, last two home losses have not last two. Yeah, last two home losses have been a scene hall. So that was a tough loss. But obviously the Bryce Hopkins injury, and we saw it obviously in real time in the second half. And obviously we all kind of had, or me personally, had a feeling that we probably obviously wake up to, or we got it around 11 or 1030 this morning, that we probably weren't going to get the best of news, just how it looked. I'm not a doctor, but everything that kind of came out was probably we weren't going to get the best news. And obviously we didn't get the best news. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no specialist here. Um, but it, for anyone who was lot watching the game live, uh, you heard the way that he was shrieking at midcourt. And mm-hmm. if you are a, a big grown man like Bryce Hopkins, you don't shriek like that uh, for nothing. Um, I said to you off air that when you watch the replay, it doesn't look as bad as it sounded. I mean, obviously you slow it down. It's still gruesome to look at, but you know, you think, okay, maybe it's a sprain or a hyperextension. You add in those shrieks, those screams, forget it. You, you knew exactly what it was, but it was kind of like the elephant in the room. Nobody wanted to say it directly. Um, and the broadcasters technically aren't allowed to say what they're thinking, but you knew what it was. Yeah. Look, when you see the shrieking, and obviously we heard it live, which is, look, it's, you feel for the young man. Obviously, he's around you and I, you and I's age. Yeah. Uh, I think right in between our, our age, but whatever. He's right around our young age. So he's a really, he's a young guy, obviously, and it's, it, it stinks for him. Uh, and it, you can see the pain. And obviously, the injury looked bad and you're hopefully you're hoping for like a, a quote unquote knee sprain, obviously no ACL damage. Obviously there was ACL uh, damage and you can see when, if you look at the game, the building kind of was in shock because you and I talked off air, like as Friars fans, we haven't had an in-season injury that sidelined a guy for the remainder of the year in a while. Cause you and I could not think of one off the right. top of it. Uh, Without doing intensive Google searching, you and I could not think of one. Obviously, we've had guys miss beginnings of the year. We've had guys been rolled out before the year started. Guys miss extended period of time during the season, like Jen Pierre this year. But I don't remember the last time a guy played a handful of games or more than a handful of games and gets injured, misses the remainder of the year. So it's something that, look, we're going to talk about it. This team has to bounce back from it's 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 not going to going to be easy. And nobody said it's going to be. But. Look, we're gonna, we're gonna see, and this is a weird way to say it, but like we're gonna see what this team is made of. And look, I don't, I didn't want to have to get to this point where oh, was an injury to see where this team is made of. But you're gonna see, obviously, Saturday and, and throughout the season how this team responds to probably one of the worst case scenarios that I think we could have envisioned heading into the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, worst case scenario is the best way to put it, right? And um, you know, it, it's no secret Devin Carter has been the team's best player. I think that is, you know, a blanket statement that many would make, even if Bryce was fully healthy, but uh, even with a poor shooting year um, or an inconsistent shooting year, I'll say Bryce is a staple to this team. He, he, he's second on the team in scoring. He's first on the team in rebounds. And I cannot emphasize enough how much his defense has improved year over year. Um, Friend of the show, Ryan Cassidy, has tweeted this out several times. I think he actually retweeted it this morning, but it's a, a video. I think it's a thread of Bryce Hopkins on defense. Um, so, I mean, this leaves the this now leaves the team with a massive hole at the four spot. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, 
implications and what what the rest of the season in full transparency what the rest of the season could should and might look like um but first you know i think we we do need to talk about uh the game um don't want to obviously not brushing over bryce he is a everybody that has had the, the opportunity to speak with him from the media to the players, students, coaches, everyone involved in the Providence community says that he is a wonderful young man to speak to and be around. Um, I think that is, you know, completely portrayed in the way that he carries himself in front of the media on uh, post-game press conferences, interviews, etc. cetera. Uh, he is a, a really great person. He's a, a phenomenal basketball player. And for someone at that age where, you know, your future is going to the pros at whatever level that may be, to have a season end, a season ending and career altering injury like this is just it sucks. Um, our prayers are out for him and his family. You know, I'm sure most of the people listening to this are in the same boat. Yeah, look, I, I've seen a lot of tweets from people. I uh, don't this morning or throughout the day today of just people saying how great of a guy he was at 100. percent And look, yeah, we're going to talk about the scene all game. And I, I agree, Joe. Like it's tough to be. Oh, let's talk about the game. Uh, but we're not brushing it over. Like everyone knows. And even Kim English said, like, you got to, no one's going to feel sorry for us. Right. You gotta, you're going to have to move forward and it stinks. And we are going to have to talk about the scene all game. We're going to, but no, I think Bryce Hopkins, obviously I tweeted this after or today on Thursday, just about a couple of things. I tweeted, um, obviously I, I tweeted about how the news was horrible I talked about where this team will go from here. Like it's interesting to see in, in, in when the situation is not interesting and fun, but it is interesting to see where this, as a, if you have a, if you take a bird's eye view of this and you take away you being a Providence basketball fan, where this team goes from here. I think it's, it's I think it's interesting. I really do think it's interesting in yep. if you've taken away your Providence rooting interest. Uh, I talked about Hopkins, obviously one of the biggest contributors uh, scoring wise, rebounding defensive wise, like you said, one of the leaders, to this team, one of the, I guess, the veterans that Kim English is leaning on in his first year as a Providence head coach. And if you look at the Kim English aspect of this, it's his first real adversity he is going yep. to face. This is not a loss against Seton Hall on a Wednesday night in the Big East, right? Like that, those, that's going to happen. Like throughout his tenure as a Providence head coach, you, you are going to lose games in the Big East. You're, you are going to lose home games in the Big East. That's not adversity. This is adversity. How he right. responds without one of his best players, one of his leaders, one of the reasons why we had huge expectations, or not huge, we had expectations for this team to be, once again, an NCAA tournament team and compete in the Big East, which is Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins coming back. Because Bryce Hopkins could easily be a member of a different team right now once right. Cooley departed and Kim English came in, 100%. And I think a lot of people expected that. So we will see where Kim English takes his team, his staff, him – the, the whole, I guess, Providence basketball department, like this is a huge adversity, which they haven't had to face on the injury front, like we said, in how many years? Right. Not to mention, to add on to your point, Peter, Kim English, when he was announced as head coach, there was so much uncertainty and speculation about how he would be, what he would do, and honestly, who he was. Um, and then within the first three weeks, same day, back-to-back, Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins announced they're staying. That was Kim English's selling point. That was what got the the Friar Nation, the, all of the fan base, the program, the community, to get on board and to back him. Um, obviously, you know, amongst other things, keeping other guys, a great introductory press conference, those two, those two pieces, Bryce and Devin staying, is what got him, you know, the support and backing of this entire fan base. Um and now this is a huge test, a huge test. You take over a program, you you pound the the Wisconsin Badgers early on in the season. You beat Marquette by 15 at home. You get him into the top 25 in your first season as head coach, and your stud has a season-ending injury. I, I know you know this is going to be flying around a lot, but so what now what is is the mantra that that ties in with mindset so it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be very telling to see how kim english gets the guys to respond um so you're totally right peter a huge test for kim english in the early days here as a providence head coach 
Yeah. No. Uh, and look, if we want to take a bigger picture, or not even a bigger picture, a closer picture on this, and look at, I guess, the scene hall game, right, Joe? Because I think we wanted to segue to that. Uh, yes. It was my initial thoughts on the, the scene hall game, putting obviously the Bryce Hopkins injury aside uh, while mm-hmm. looking at it. It's, we didn't make shots, right? Like, no. and I, defend, we, I, look, I think, I think I texted you. I might have said this on the show, but I thought like a 65 60 type of game, right? A low you score. Texted me that. Yeah, and it was it basically was we were just on the wrong side of it. It, it was going to be a low scoring kind of dogfight. And look, we shot the ball well from the free throw line. We were eighty six percent, thirteen for fifteen. But when you when you shoot thirty seven percent from the field and twenty three point five percent from three and have fourteen turnovers, it's going to be tough, right? Like Josh Duro had probably one of his worst performance performances as a fire. Look, I know he, he still netted 23 points, but nine for 21 as a big man, just is not going to cut it. Right. Like if he is on his game, the fires probably roll and they probably win this game. And Devin Carter wasn't on, on his game four for 13. We didn't make shots. And I had, and I know we went back to the last sequence and obviously down four for about 30 seconds left to be down two with 10 seconds. I don't have a chance to tie. It's like, it's a pretty good turn of events for the Friars. And I would have taken that shot from Adoro 10 times out of 10. I had somebody text me saying that was a terrible shot. And I almost had to like go over to their house and strangle them because <laughs> I was like, that's just a not a terrible shot. It, I, I get it. It's his non-dominant hand with his left hand, but a layup uh, with probably your, your, obviously your best big. And now with Hopkins out, probably him and Carter, your two best scorers. Like, you take that shot every single time. Like every single time. And I went back and watched it a couple of times. And I'm like, yes, okay. you take that every single time. So, well, Joe, pretty simple. I thought we defended pretty well. I thought Seton Hall shot better from three than we expected. Okay. They shot 43%, percent 100%. So they shot better. It's They started hot, then got cold, and then they hit a couple of threes. And obviously it got to about eight or nine during the Hopkins injury and all that stuff. So I think that took a while for the Friars to kind of get their footing. But they got back in the game, the Corey Floyd alley-oop layup, got the building kind of back into it. Look, they didn't make shots. I thought they defended fine. 61 points in the Big East game is, is, a, fine, is a fine mark. I just – they didn't make shots. It's, 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 a, it's a weird thing to say, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right, Peter. Um we're reaching about the halfway point, so before we get into this, I just want to do the ad read really quick. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, to get in on the fun. We have a great stable of writers and content creators, so please be sure to get over there and support everything that our team does. Um, sorry, Peter, just wanted to squeeze that in there before we get two down uh, the road here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with, with everything you said um, to, to touch on that final Josh Aduro shot. Uh, you're right. I would take that 10 times out of 10. You know, that's a look that he can make and that he does make. Um, really, you just, you got to credit Seton Hall for, for putting the defensive clamps down. And that was really the story of the game, right? It, it is Providence. We did not shoot the ball well at all. Uh, honestly, when you, when you look at the numbers, Seton Hall didn't, but they made shots when we couldn't, uh, I think three point shooting for them. You know, this is, we reverse jinx them because, and I guess it's not a reverse jinx, but we jinx them because we talked about how terrible they were from three in our pregame show. And they hit seven, uh, shot near 40, near 50% from deep, uh, on the game. Um, only 36% from the field, but uh, Providence only shot 37% from the field. So, you know, it ebbs and flows. It was exactly what you texted me. It was a disgusting, gritty, grinded out, old-fashioned Big East game. Um, and you got to tip your cap to Seton Hall. It's very difficult to to, to come into the Amica Mutual, Mutual Pavilion back-to-back years and win there. Um, you know, that's an Achilles heel for us. And, you know, if you look at the big picture of things, when Seton Hall thumped us at home last year, the 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 air in the arena w- w- was deflated because the the rumor going around was that Ed Cooley was leaving. If you look at it now, it's it, it's a similar situation. The air in the arena was defeated because Bryce Hopkins had a season-ending injury. So it, it, 
you just look at, at at both games and specifically this game and you think like damn like Seton Hall in that in our building tough to beat um I mean that's not an excuse uh, there are guys on this team that can make shots and that should make shots um I think you know we struggled when Seton Hall switched to zone and you know Kim and Devin talked about that in the post game press conference that you know, the, when they switched up the defenses, we struggled because you're right. We did go on a nice little run at the end in the middle of the first half there to take the lead and go up by nine uh, credit Seton Hall. They made the adjustment and, you know, they made more shots than we did. They, they made timelier shots and they made more shots. I guess we got to stop playing Seton Hall at home. Obviously, jokingly, that's not going to happen. But no, it's it's. You're right. Though I didn't think, or I didn't think of it. But the last two years has been, or the last year, not two years, but the last two meetings at home against Seen Hall has been, I guess, very unfortunate. So, uh, not looking forward to what happens next year. Uh, all joking aside, look, we know every game in the Big East is going to be tough, right? Like home away, and obviously the Friars have had a very good home record over the years, and we probably have been a bit spoiled. Um, but they they burned it. We definitely have been a bit spoiled, and it's obviously hard to continue. But every game in the Big East is going to be a grinded out. And obviously now with the injury, it's not going to get easier. Kim English even said, um, "No team is no team is going to stop playing." Basically, no team is going to feel sorry for us that we're right. missing one of our best players. And look, it doesn't get any easier. Obviously, we know the road ahead. But this type of game, I, I was a little frustrated, and I'm trying to put the Hopkins injury aside, but it's hard not to think about it. Obviously, while talking about it, I just thought, I thought Devin Carter didn't have his best performance. I look, He hit a couple deep threes. I know you texted me one of them. I thought he needed to get into the lane a little bit more. I think he settled too many times. Yeah. I know he had a double-double, had six assists, so he was flirting sort of with a triple-double. I just thought he needed to be a little bit more aggressive into the lane, especially where, I just don't think a shot was falling. So I think that was kind of an issue. I didn't like his three towards the end of the game. I thought that was a very unnecessary three. Yeah, me too. We've seen that a couple times. This team does like to take some stupid shots. Is not the appropriate or, or professional term. But it, sometimes when you're watching, you're like, oh, that was stupid. But like mm-hmm. some of these, this team does decide to take some, I guess, que- questionable is probably the better term, questionable shots. I'm trying to find where that three was in – in the game, uh, mystery by where was it? How much time was left when Devin Carter? I found a minute three. We were down four, right? Mm-hmm. We get a stop after they miss a three, uh, and we get the ball back. And that shot goes up with a minute and three seconds down four. You do not need a. You don't need there. that three. Look, if if you are wide open, and it's through the sequence of the play, I am going to live with that shot. And if you miss it, you miss it. You're just not making shots. But at that right. pump fake. Kind of like fade away three down four still. with a minute left is not great because you got the ball back eventually at the end of the game by two. Right, like go get a two, go get to the line, do something. You make it a two point game, Joe, with a minute left. Everything is in front of you, man. Like everything. Yeah. You all you have to do is go not all, but go get a stop, and then make a bucket. Like it's simple, but like you have no. It's not simple, but it seems simple. But I think forcing a three was not the right shot at the moment. I, I didn't think so. They got it to four. And then, look, they they, they played some they, – they missed a three at Seton Hall. Uh, and, yeah, we got it. We had a chance. They missed a free throw, and Adoro hits a layup. And then they and they miss another free throw, and we get the ball back. Oh, no, sorry, a turnover. Uh, right. Turnover, yep. you get the ball back, and you, you lose by four. Four, um, and after the Adoro missed layup, I just thought like that Devin Carter three kind of sucked the life out of the building a bit because I didn't think you needed it. Well, right, the, the the opportunity was there, right? So we can't we can't be frustrated. It, it, no, we have we can't to we can't say there was an opportunity that it, it was there. Uh, Seton Hall turning the ball over, right? The the play with Alamir Dawes that was overturned and gave Providence the ball back. That's we can't yeah. we can't. No, the the front missing the front end of the one and one on the Seton Hall side of things. We can't get upset that uh, and claim that there's no opportunity. It was there. We just didn't capitalize, right? That's not Bryce Hopkins' fault. That's not Kim English's fault, right? Like he drew up a great play for Josh. Uh, that's the player's fault. And, and 
you know, you, you never want to you know, pin anything on one person or, or one entity, but it, this comes down to the way that the guys executed. And, um, you know, Kim English holds his, his team accountable. You know, there, there's no loving them up after losses. There's accountability. It, it, it's treated like the real world. Um, so you got to you got to put blame where it's due. The guys did not make shots. Um, now, do I think that there were some systematic things in the second half that needed to be changed? Absolutely. 17 threes uh, taken. And, and this is going to sound bizarre coming from the way you and I have been speaking so far this season. 17 threes taken isn't going to cut it. We were averaging 31 threes per game in our first two Big East games. So the drop off to 17, I understand if Seton Hall's in a zone and you can't find it, but guys were passing up open looks for the paint. And at one point or another, you have to realize like, all right, you know, Josh is struggling. He went four for 16 over his final 20 shots, right? Like you got to pay attention to that. You got to understand the flow of the game. You have to understand what's going on in front of you. If it's not working with Josh, find another guy. Kim English always says that the next man up that our go-to guy is the open man. Mm -hmm. If Josh is not hitting it and he's open, find the other open man because they did start collapsing in on him towards the end of the game. Um, So I don't know. It was a a frustrating offensive performance to say the least. Um, Yeah. I think, I'm going to be careful where I go with this point guard issue. We, we might have one. No, but we do have one. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We do have one. Uh, I was watching, I was watching, I was watching Villanova, right? After the, uh, the game, I said, my brother goes to Villanova. So I was watching the game and Villanova has a point guard issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a point guard. They have, I like Mark Armstrong, but they didn't use him down the stretch. And then they finally bring him in. And it works because he's a ball handler. But outside of him, they don't have a point guard. And Villanova is actually 3-0 in Big East play, and they're starting to play really well after a couple bad losses early on, and they don't have a point guard. I don't think we we have point guards. We just have a point guard issue, right? Like Jaden Pierre and Garway Dua. And I I, I don't want to put – I want to put less on Garway because he's a true freshman, and I get yep. the hype coming into the year. But he only played 10 minutes, mm-hmm. like, and he had two assists. He played 10 minutes and had two assists. Jaden Pierre played 35 minutes and had one assist. If and that is not hours. an issue, I can't tell you what else. Is. Like, and I'm not trying to just crap on Jaden Pierre or rat, like just go after Jaden Pierre because I don't want to be that guy. But we have an issue, right? Like we have an issue at the point guard because I don't think Devin Carter's a point guard. I know he had six assists, but I think he's better when he's off the ball. Agreed. I was thinking Gaines is not a point guard. Obviously. Uh, Garway is a point guard, but Corey Floyd Jr. Yep. Who actually had a, a pretty nice performance last night. One of his better performances of the year is not a point guard. Jaden Pierre, now especially without Bryce Hopkins, has to get other guys involved. It is going to be harder for this team to score because teams that face us now have to, I guess, ticket. I know Ticket Gaines has had a good start to Big East play, but he's not a true, like, pure scorer. Our two best scorers now are Devin Carter and a Josh Adora. Teams are obviously going to focus more on those guys. Jaden Pierre and Garway Duwal and Kim English and the staff have to find a way to get guys open, right? Like the yep. scheme is, is this is now going to turn more to less of Bryce Hopkins, Josh Adoro, and Devin Carter ball, which is which was not a bad thing at all, to Josh Adoro, Devin Carter, and the system. This yep. team is going to have to find a way to get shots. Is it Jaden Pierre passing the ball? Is it Devin Carter being passing the ball? I don't know what it is, but because you lose your a top three scorer on your team and a guy that can – I know he was struggling, but a guy that can get his own shot, now you're down to – even Adoro can't get his own shot because he has to get the ball. Right, he's not, he, he's not a ball handler. He's not a ball handler, obviously. So you have probably one guy that I trust at the fully moment – to get his own shot, and that is Devin Carter, and that that that's that's an issue. Like the offense is going to have to find a way to get guys open. So I feel like first couple games in, the team's going to have to sit on their defense because I don't think the offense is go- going to be pretty until they start figuring how figuring out how to play with each other and without Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, I, you, everything you said is spot on. Um, and I just want to clarify: we're not taking a crap on Jaden Pierre here. Um, you're right. I know. <laughs> It was, it's funny, but you're right. We're not taking the crap on him. You know, 
these are kids that, and I'm not going to get into the specifics because I don't know the specifics, but these are kids that now get paid for their name, image, and likeness. So it's not like we're shitting on a college student. We're sit, we're, we're being objective and calling attention to negative elements of this college student's performance. Um, Jaden Pierre does a lot of good things. He is perfect on the season from the free throw stripe from the free throw line. That's really good. He's the second best three point shooter on the team behind rich Barron and Barron's numbers are skewed a little bit because he doesn't play a ton of minutes. So you can trust that when Pierre is at the stripe or when Pierre takes a three, chances are it's going to go in where Jaden Pierre is struggling right now is with the two most foundational things that come with being a point guard and that's decision-making and that's passing and protecting the basketball. I guess that's three things, but he turns the ball over a lot. A lot of times he makes plays very quickly without thinking. And you know, that's a, a broad, a harsh statement to make, but when you're driving the lane and you have an open look and you try and make a fancy pass and it t- results in a turnover, that's bad decision-making. Um, you know, there was a point in time where Jaden Pierre drive to the cup. I think it was in the second half and you had ticket wide open on the wing and he went for a fancy layup. Granted he got fouled and, and cashed the free throw. So it, it turned out to be okay. But you know, you got to be aware of those things, right? Like uh, what's his name? Uh, Jared Bynum looks and makes that pass. Luan Pipkins looks and makes that pass. Kyron Cartwright looks and makes that pass. So y- you got to start thinking and seeing the court differently. Granted, Jaden Pierre is a sophomore. He did not get a ton of playing time last season, and he put his name in the transfer portal at the beginning of the offseason. So you got to – I'm going to give him credit here, right? Like he is in an uncomfortable position. I I don't want to say anything else. He's in an uncomfortable position because Kim kept him on. Kim trusts him Mm -hmm. and instilled confidence in him to stay. Right. And, and obviously that was a, a mutually beneficial relationship right there. But Pierre going from, I don't even know what it was. Let's call it sub 10 minutes a game last year to now he's averaging 27 minutes a game and he's the lead guy. Right. Like you got to cut him yeah. some slack. But with that said, there needs to be some accountability. And I know that's, that's contradicting in nature. Like it, it's not entirely on him. Like, right, like there's situational things that are out of his control. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you, if you're going to play 27 minutes per game and you're going to be the starting point guard, you got to do what you're supposed to do because you have a very talented guy behind you that could come up and steal your spot. Yeah. I also think they probably should have went to Garway a little more. And I don't think Garway had a great performance, but I think Garway offers you a lot more defensively he does. Than, Pierre, than Pierre. Oh. So that's an issue with Pierre. And I look, I know if you're listening right now, if you obviously if you're listening right now, Jaden Pierre is kind of getting um t- tough it's tough love towards Jaden Pierre. And we've seen him play really well this year. And I think he's had some nice performances, but him playing, like you said, averaging 27 minutes a game and him playing 35 minutes last night and having one assist and ha- him averaging 2.6 assists on the year is is not is not going to cut it, right? Like Right, it's pretty simple, and I do think he's not a he's not an above average defender. So if he's not passing the ball well, and his scoring has been very up and down, and he's not a defender, like that's not what he's known for, right? Yep. Then it's an issue. Like I'm, I do think we need to see an uptick in Garway's minutes because Garway took two shots, made it three, had two assists. I know he traveled on one play. I, it looked like his head was going, or his body yeah. was going, too, or his mind was going too fast uh, for his body. He knew what exactly he wanted to do, and it, it's broke down and traveled i look it's it's a tough switch but it doesn't it feel like this i'm going to use a football analogy right like when when you have a football team when you were for a football team and you don't have a star running back right like you don't have christian mccaffrey or jonathan taylor or nick chubb but you have two solid good running backs right mm-hmm. and you're going you go into a game right you kind of feed the hot hand right Right. Player A is having a good game. He's averaging six yards a carry, but player B averaging three yards a carry. You're going to player A, but the next game, player B is having a better game. So you go to player B. Like you right. kind of, you don't have a superstar. You have two guys that are good running backs, and you feed the hot hand. This feels like that. Jaden Pierre and Garway. It doesn't matter what game it is. I just feel like obviously they're part. 
probably going to keep starting Pierre, but feed the hot hand. If you're at halftime and Duol is having a better game, go to Duol in the second half. Like, yep. ride the hot hand, and then if the wheels fall off, you go to Pierre. I just feel like it should be that type of system when it comes to our starting point guard. No, that is a great, great, great analogy, and I'm going to take it another step further. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years ago had uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette as their you know tag team running back combo out of the backfield. And me, the great fantasy football owner that I am, drafted them both, or I think I picked up Fournette off the waivers or something like that. And there would be nights when I would start Ronald Jones and he'd have a terrible night and Leonard Fournette on the bench would be great. And it makes you pull your hair out. Mm -hmm. And last night was a similar feeling because with, with Pierre and with Garway Dual, there's gives and there's takes, right? Jaden Pierre is a better scorer than Garway or has proven to be a better scorer than Garway so far this season, right? He's a better shooter than Garway as well. However, Garway is a better defender. He takes care of the basketball better and is has a better vision of the court than Jaden Pierre. Last night, when the team has 14 turnovers and is struggling against Seton Hall's backcourt, you need Garway Dual on the floor, especially when late in the game, Al Amir Dawes is getting what he wants. He hit that big three late in the second half and was essentially giving it to Pierre, right? Like Pierre did not do a good job guarding Alamir Dawes. And Alamir Dawes was a big reason late in the second half why Seton Hall, uh, I'm not going to say pulled away, but w- was able to, you know, grip that lead with, 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 with you know, the blood running out of their, their knuckles, uh, white knuckles. That's the, you know, my head is all over the place. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, that, I think we'll, we'll close the discussion here on, on point guard play, but it's basically the bottom line is uh, especially going forward. Now we're, we're going to need to see, you know, some duality at that position. We're going to, we're going to need to see an offense defense split or, you know, more minutes give it. Maybe if we, it's the two of them on at the same time with Bryce, yeah. you know, uh, a sideline now, but there needs to be some sort of change in the backcourt um, is the, the bottom line there. Oh. Last thing, I'm open to any ideas when it comes to offense. Anything that can get the ball in the basket. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't even have to look pretty. Just ball in the basket. Yeah. All right. So we're at the 30-minute mark. We're probably going to go a little long here just because there's a lot of a lot to break down. Um, we're going to revisit, you know, the Bryce Hopkins situation now. Um, a quote from last night. Uh, that Kim English said in the post-game press conference. We're fine. Any group that we put on the court, we're expecting to win. I will never, ever sit here and talk about who we didn't have. We expect to win. That's our job. No one cares. We love Bryce. Our fans love Bryce. But our opponents aren't going to take it easy on us because we're missing a player. I absolutely love that quote. And you know it's true you know it's genuine and you know it's not some premeditated bullshit that was in real time in the press conference last night and it this this once one it speaks to the ever going point that i keep you know bringing home here on the podcast is that kim english is all business he is he has a great mind for basketball but he's a no bullshit kind of guy two he is absolutely right we have 13 scholarship players on this team one of them's redshirting and Justin Fernandez. Fine. The other one goes down in Bryce Hopkins. Is he one of our best players? Yes. But there's 11 other scholarship guys on that roster, and they're on that roster for a reason. So who's next man up? This is what I'm getting to here. Who is the guy that is going to attempt to fill the void of Bryce Hopkins? Um, Peter, who do you... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna to go to you first here. Who do you think it is? Who do you think is gonna to have to take that jump, or or is it a committee uh, affair here? To give the boring answer, because this is what I think. I think it's. I think it's a committee answer, right? Like, I could say Devin Carter has to play better, or play more, but I don't think he can. Right? I think Devin Carter's playing as. I don't think he had a great performance against Seton Hall, but I think he's playing as good as he could. I don't think Adora yeah. had a great performance against Seton Hall, but I think he's playing as good as he can. Right? I think it's a committee, right? Like. It might be a different guy every game, but you look towards the veterans, and the one veteran that stands out to me is Ticket Gaines, right? I think Ticket Gaines yep. has to become more of an aggressive scorer. Before 
the injury to Hopkins. He could kind of sit back, kind of sit by the three-point line and let Hopkins and Jordan Carter kind of do their thing and then get the open looks when the defense breaks down. I, yep. It's probably not going to be like that anymore. I think you brought him in for a reason from George Mason. Kim English obviously knows him. He's a veteran. He's played a lot of college basketball over the years. He needs – he's probably the one guy that needs to step up uh, and become that third scorer. I, I Probably Corey Floyd Jr., that's probably the next guy in line. And and, and then I guess Pierre, but I, I would probably lean towards probably Ticket Gaines is probably the guy I would probably need to step up. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's the boring answer, but it's yeah. the truth. It's going to be a committee effort. Um, I, I'm going to double down on Ticket Gaines. I think, you know, Ticket is going to be our starting power forward, right? I, I can't imagine, you know, Donovan Santoro or Rafael Castro are going to come off the – are going to start at the four spot, right? I think what's going to happen is Kim's going to have to adjust the the style of the team a little bit. We're going to be going small, um, which is kind of a scary thought just given the depth of our backcourt, but we're going to be going small. Ticket's going to have to take a big step up, um, and I think he's capable of it, right? Like he's shown the scoring chops several times this season, but Ticket's going to have to take a step up in scoring. Defensively, I'm confident in Ticket, uh, especially given how long he is. Um, but I think the, the 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 clear answer here in terms of you know offensively who's going to make up for it, it's Corey Floyd Jr. And he showed it last night. I think he had seven points and six rebounds. He was making hustle plays all over the court. Um, he is going to you know I my prediction is that Saturday at Creighton, Corey Floyd Jr. gets the nod to start. If he doesn't, I would be shocked. But I think it, you know we're going to be seeing something along the lines of Jaden, Devin, Corey, Ticket, uh, Oduro, um, and then my sleeper pick for you know who's going to have the most impact now is uh, Rich Barron. He you know he was hot before he suffered that allergy attack that sidelined him. I think it was against Butler or Marquette, and I'm losing my memory there now. But Butler. it was at Butler. Or against so. Butler, I think so. Rich Barron, he's thick, right? Like, like he's listed as a guard, but like, let's be honest here, he's thick. He's a thick dude. Um, he's gonna he's gonna have to play some minutes at the three, um, and he's shown that he can shoot the shit out of the ball. So, I'd like to see Barron, you know, get some more minutes here, especially in conference play. You know, uh, that last game of the the non conference slate, he he had fourteen points. He was really good. Love to see him slotted into the lineup off the bench here a little bit more, but you're right. It's going to be a committee. It's going to be a committee affair. Obviously Devin and Josh need to keep doing their thing, but ticket Corey and to a degree rich are, are, are going to be the ones that are going to feel the weight of, of Hopkins absence the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I agree. Like I said, it's going to, it's going to be a committee. Uh, and you probably also probably not fair, but might have to ask more of Devin Carter and Josh Adore, right? Like it's yeah. everyone's going to have to step up. Uh, so I don't know. The depth isn't great at that position. The depth isn't great overall as a team. It's probably the worst at the, the center position yeah. as we've seen this year. But probably second worst is probably the forward position. But no, I agree. I, I would expect the starting lineup, Joe, to be – Pierre, and then you shift Floyd in there with Devin Carter, Ticket Gaines, and Adoro. Right, like yeah. I think that's probably the move. You probably you probably not going to Barrett in the starting lineup, and unless you want to go Garway over Floyd, but those are the only two, yeah, things that make sense. And I would probably lean towards Floyd at the moment. But we are we're we're going to see more Garway. Yeah, it has to happen. Like it's because we just lost a obviously. We're kind of a nine-man rotation, Castro and Barron. All of a sudden, it's an eight-man rotation. Right. Um, all right, let, let's let's jump out to 30,000 feet right now and, and take a big-picture look at the team. Um, we dropped from 50th to 62nd in the net rankings as of this morning. Um, I know there's a lot going around right now about Seton Hall and back-to-back -back ranked victories, but that's a quadrant three loss for us. Um you know, as gritty and defensive as Seton Hall is, and I'm not trying to discredit them here because you win the games no matter who's on the floor, that's a quadrant three loss because Seton Hall it does not have the resume 
yeah. yet for that to be an okay loss. Um, and just to double down on that point, Seton Hall won by 15 over UConn after Donovan Klingen goes down with an injury in the second half. And they won on the road over Providence after Bryce Hopkins goes down with an injury with 15 minutes left in the second half. So uh, again, I'm not going to take away their wins. A win is a win. But if this was Providence two seasons ago and this happened, the national media would be railing us with that narrative. And Seton Hall's getting away with it squeaky clean. So I needed to put it out there for my own sake, but also for a little bit of vengeance. Um, but anyway, Providence moves to 11-3. and three. They're now 2-1 and one in conference play. And the road ahead just continues to get more difficult. We travel to Creighton on Saturday, a Creighton team that's coming off of a route over Georgetown and a Creighton team that is under 500 in conference play. Then after that, we head to Madison Square Garden where we'll take on a St. John's team that just thumped Butler, uh, a Butler team that had us on the ropes at home, mind you. So the road ahead only gets a little, only gets more difficult for us. We started talking about this off air, Peter, and I know we wanted to have this conversation live, but in order for Kim English and the Friars to salvage this season and make it to the big dance, you know, whether that's, you know, by the skin of their teeth or comfortably, what do you think needs to happen down the stretch, the remainder of the season here? So right now we are 11 and three overall, two and one in conference. It's, it's one of those things where you probably have to get to at least 10 wins in conference, right? Like, yeah, I think you probably have to get to 10 wins. Uh, I would comfortably be 11 wins and it's those type of things where like you just gonna have to kind of scratch and crawl to some victories here like it's i don't think it's obviously not going to be easy but it's it's a big picture you probably have to get to 10 or 11 wins and obviously depending on who you beat resume wise like the scene hall win i think might get better like you know there's always those teams that are picked to finish bottom half of the big east that finish top half right that's there's one every year that might be Seen Hall. I don't. I don't know. Uh, obviously, they're two and one and two pretty good wins. That Butler loss. No, sorry. The Butler wins probably not going to amount to anything, in my opinion. Butler has a couple of tough games coming up. I just think Butler's probably going to finish in the bottom half. Of yeah. The Big East, you probably are going to have to steal one on the road if it's at Marquette, if it's at UConn, if it's at Villanova. It could be Saturday against Creighton, right? Like, it, there's a lot of things. Look, I think you probably have to get to ten, probably eleven wins. Um, you probably want to get to 20 wins overall in the season. I, mm-hmm. you, and I, you, you, you mentioned 19 could get you in, Joe. I would feel comfortable at 20. Right now we're 11 and three overall. That means you have to win nine more games. I don't know how many games we left playing the Big East, um, but off the top of my head, but you probably have to win nine more games overall. That's probably where I think you have to get to. We have 17 scheduled conference games left. You got to win nine. I agree with you. I think I think the win over Marquette and the win over Wisconsin is going to pay dividends for us in March. Yeah. Um so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more risky with this. I think eight is the magic number. I think you need to win eight more conference games. But there's an asterisk here. You need to win eight more conference games and beat either UConn. Mm. You got. You have to win eight more conference games with a win over UConn, a win over Creighton, and a win over Villanova. I think that, right? It's it's not easy, right? Like you you know, maybe not Villanova because they had they couldn't win in in Philadelphia in the in the Big Five thing. You have to beat either UConn or Creighton once. One of those two. I think if you can beat Creighton once, or you can beat UConn once and salvage eight more victories. I think they get in now, granted, you know, things could go either way and it could go North or South of that. Um, Here's, here's what can't happen. You cannot lose to DePaul and you can't lose to Georgetown. The, 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 the DePaul thing, because if you lose to DePaul, you can kiss the NCAA tournament goodbye, but Georgetown you can't lose to them because one, it's kind of the same thing. They suck too. But two, for for emotional 
stability <laughs> of this fan base. You need you need to beat Georgetown twice because the fan base has been through a lot in the past, you know, 11, 12 months mm-hmm. in, with Cooley leaving and Georgetown and now Hopkins. You, you you need to beat Georgetown just to to salvage you know your mental health as a fan if you're as you know emotionally addicted to Providence as we are. So that's where I think things need to go. Um, as I'm looking at the schedule here, you know, it, it the road ahead is very difficult. Uh, out of our next five games, four of them are on the road. Yeah, you're at Creighton, you're at St. John's, you're at home against the Xavier team that just had Villanova on the ropes at home last night at the Finneran Pavilion. Then you're at DePaul and at Seton Hall. It is very very, very realistic that we go one and four or two and three over that stretch. It, it is very realistic. So would, you, I, would same, you take, would you take three and two? I would take three and two okay. uh, oh, in a heartbeat. I would okay. take three and two. I would take two and three. Uh, here's the thing you need to, you need to protect home court now. And that's the, the big, the, uh, the game. Yeah. yeah. You, need, you need to protect home court. The reason I say two and three is because, you're at DePaul. Really, the out of the next five games, the three most difficult are at Creighton, at St. John's, at Seton Hall, right? Yeah. At home against Xavier and at home against and on the road against DePaul are winnable games, even without Bryce Hopkins. Um, at Seton Hall, I think the guys will come out with a little bit of fire because, you know, it, just because, right? Like the, Seton Hall is the team that that where Bryce went down, they're going to come out, they're going to want to seek vengeance and revenge. So, mm-hmm. it, Things are going to be tough. Um, as I'm looking on the ESPN schedule here, mm-hmm. Hopkins only led us in scoring three times, and he led us in rebounds six times. So, and it, statistically, you know, I'm not going to say that he won't be missed because he's absolutely going to be missed. But if you can have guys pick up the slack for that, you can salvage wins, and and that's all that you need right now. Yeah, like. If you want to go even smaller picture, the next two games, obviously at Creighton and at St. John's, take a split, right? I think that's yeah, kind of where you're at here. Look, I, I was saying this today to my dad. I was like, "Oh, we'll take a split." But if we beat Creighton on Saturday, you're gonna you're gonna be mad with a split. It's obviously it's that that type of thing. But look, for the next five games, we don't want to go bigger picture. Besides that, I would take three and two, right? Like if you. Let's say you beat St. John's, Xavier, and DePaul, right? Like that's just three games. I, th- I think I think you're fine. Yep, I really do. Uh, it's a tough conference, but look, look, Saturday's a huge test. It's a Creighton team that's one and two that's beat Georgetown, um, has lost to a couple, obviously lost to Villanova, and lost to Marquette. Uh, Villanova being at home and at Marquette, so we'll see how they bounce back against. At home, obviously, they lost to Villanova at home. So we'll see what Creighton does. Uh, I think I don't think they're as good as their preseason billing was, but obviously, this team is at a cross. The Friars are at a crossroads, at right? The moment, and it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they respond on Saturday, right? I mean, really, the 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 fate of the season is in Kim English's hands right now, and and the way that the team responds. And the energy that they come out with on Creighton against Creighton is going to be really telling to the message that he sends to them, you know, over the next couple of days. Um, Again, so we're rambling here. This is probably our longest episode of the season. Um, Creighton preview. Here's what you need to know. We play Creighton at two o'clock on Saturday at Creighton without Bryce Hopkins. Here's the preview. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, most importantly, we want to double down here and send all of our thoughts and prayers to Bryce Hopkins and his family. Um, if you're someone who's torn an ACL or, you know, someone that has gone through that injury, it is devastating and it is, you know, it's a lengthy rehab process. So we wish him obviously all of the best. We hope that, you know, he can, be on his feet and moving, whether that's through rehab or, you know, with crutches, brace, boot, whatever, um, sometime in the, in the next couple of weeks. But obviously we, we want him to be in good spirits and wish him nothing but the best. That's what's most important here. Providence could lose every game the rest of the season. And, you know, as long as Bryce makes it out of this, okay, 
that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously non-injury or injury related, like I said a couple of times, interesting to see how this team responds on Saturday, where this team is mentally, where Kim English is and the staff is uh, preparations. It's a tough week, right? Like obviously Kim English is right. You, you, you have to walk past it because obviously that's his job and that's the player's job. But at the end of the day, they're college kids. Uh, but look, Saturday's a huge test, right? Like you, you, you go to Creighton and you put out a, a kind of a, a grinded out performance and you find a way to sneak out a victory. You and I on Monday into Tuesday probably have a different outlook on this team. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that's how quick sports work. We're, we, we overreact and react to every single thing, right? Like, and it happens in football, right? A team wins on a Sunday and all of a sudden they're great. And then they can lose the next week and all of a sudden they're not great. Like it's that quickly you string together a win against Crane and win at St. John's. And once again, you're probably ranked again. And you're, you're talking about a team that is right at the top of the bees, right? So it can flip quickly in a good way, but yeah. it can also flip quickly in a very bad way. And you can find yourself in a week in a hole in the big East and you don't want to be in a hole. I mean, if we're talking rankings, all you have to do to stay in the in the top 25 is beat Creighton on the road. You trade a bad home loss with a good road win. I, I mean, oh, not that that not that that matters right now. The the AP top 25. Kim has doubled down on this point uh, several times this season that he cares more about our net ranking than the top 25 ranking. But in terms of national attention, respect, you know, recruiting, all of those, you know, big picture stuff, the AP top 25 is does serve its purpose. Um, but anyway, I don't. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. We play. We play. My brain is just fried. We we play Creighton uh, Saturday at two o'clock. Um, that game will be on FS1. Uh, yeah, let's see how the guys respond. This is a, a very big test for Kim and Co. Um, Peter, any any other thoughts from you? Nah, fascinating is a bad term to use, but I, I am interested and intrigued to see how this team responds on Saturday and who steps up. Uh, because someone, some if we win on Saturday, someone had to step up outside of Devin Carter right. and uh, Josh Adoro. I, I'm looking for obviously Adoro and Carter to bounce back from probably both of their worst shooting performances of the year. So interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Everything's still right in front of the Friars, even with everything that has happened in the last 24 hours. So we'll see how they yep. respond on Saturday. Absolutely. All right. At 52 minutes, this is our longest episode of the season. Uh, you'll be listening to this on Friday morning, January 5th. For Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Thank you always for listening. Go Friars. And most importantly, prayers up for Bryce Hopkins. Go Friars. <laughs>